Welcome to the Pattern Podcast from KXC in London. As a church, we want to learn ways of being with Jesus, becoming like him and doing the things he did in order to see the city we love transformed. This podcast is a resource to help us explore these spirit-filled patterns of living and start putting them into practice in everyday life. For this episode on the practice of faith, we spoke to Katia Adams. Katia is a medical doctor, church leadership consultant and author of the book Equal. As well as all this, Katia is an incredible Bible teacher. And after hearing her speak at the KXC Weekend Away at the start of 2019, we could think of no one better to speak to us about the practice of faith. Okay, so Katia, um, we're looking at faith in this podcast. And faith is a word that is probably quite familiar to most of us. Um, But to you, what do you think faith is? And how do you think it is different as a spiritual practice? Um, So great question. Um, So obviously, when I think of faith, you know, I look straight at Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 talks about faith as being the assurance of what's hoped for and the convictions of things unseen. Uh, And I love that because for me, faith then has two elements. Um, There's this conviction, this total certainty of the unseen realm, total certainty that um, kind of Uh, the kingdom exists and all the realities of that are true. And so there's that deep set belief, but there's this assurance that what we hope for is going to come about. And for me, that's slightly uh, a slightly different slant. It's not just a certainty that heaven exists and God is real, but it's this assurance, this sense of safety in it that what we're hoping for will come about. And so it's almost faith for me is not just belief, but is expectation, expectation of the good that God's going to do, expectation that um, he being all that he um, says he is, will bless us and will meet with his people. And so for me, that's kind of the, um, what faith looks like generally, but as a spiritual discipline, I think it goes further into the realm of risk-taking and courage for us as we practically put in place um, this conviction of believing that heaven exists and the kingdom is real, um, that we start taking risks in order to see that come about. um, And that's what the spiritual discipline of faith for me looks like. Fab, yeah. And um you've 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 talked a lot about the faith as a practice. Um and Jesus talks a lot about faith in the Bible. Um and he seems to be really impressed when he sees it um, and fairly strong with his words when he doesn't see it. So kind of seeing the practice of it outworked seemed to really impress him. Um could you give any thoughts on why you think that is? My take would be that Jesus is all about leading us into relationship with God. That's he, he's not introducing us to a religious system. He's introducing us to the Father and drawing us into relationship. And I think that's why he loves people who respond in faith, because if faith is really the belief that God is real, but also the assurance, the expectation, the anticipation that he is going to do all that he says he does, then faith really is about trust in relationship. 
And so I think that's why Jesus sees it as such a beautiful thing when someone responds in faith to him, because he recognizes that they they really are anchored in that relationship. They really do trust God. And so there's a maturity in their relationship with God. And I think that's why there's this um, frustration where he sees people, particularly people who have professed an understanding of who God is for many years and generations. And, you know, with the Pharisees or with the Jewish people, he gets frustrated when he doesn't see faith because they're the people who would have said they they owned relationship with God. And I think that's why he gets so frustrated when he sees a lack of faith, because while they professed to have relationship, the reality of their lack of trust in God is painfully evident when they don't have any faith in what Jesus is saying that he can do. Amazing. So um, obviously faith is something that is really important. Um, and it's talked about in the Bible as something that is a gift from God. Um, what do you think about that interaction between faith being something that's received and something that we can grow and cultivate in our lives? Yeah, I mean, I think it's both and in that, mm. yes, faith is definitely um, mentioned as a gift. So God gives that um, from his choice. And, you know, you you can meet people who carry a faith gift. I definitely, you know, have met friends who operate in the gift of faith, uh, where I literally can recognize this isn't just faith that they've cultivated. This is supernatural gifting in the area of faith and they carry it and they deposit it wherever they go. But I think the Bible is clear whilst faith can be a gift, faith is also something that we can pursue and cultivate much like healing is both a gift in the Bible, but is also something that Jesus says every follower of his can lay hands on the sick and see them healed. And so there's this both and reality where God sometimes chooses in his kindness to give people a gift that that is spectacular, really, and can be deposited in other people's lives. Um, but also faith is something that we can pursue and cultivate as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, because it is as simple as believing him for everything that he says he is, and then pursuing that. And we can do that even without a supernatural gift of faith. Having said that, um, I think it is a great idea for all of us to ask God for the supernatural gift of faith because he loves to give good gifts to his kids and carrying the supernatural gift of faith is like a turbo boost in faith. Um, there's a technical theological term for you guys, <laughs> a turbo <laughs> boost in faith. And, um, and so that is something that I often ask God for, even as I'm pursuing faith and pursuing the practice of uh, risk taking as I take him at his word. Uh, I'm often asking him, God, won't you also give me a deposit of the gift of faith so that um, what I'm cultivating and pursuing and stewarding uh, gets absolutely maximized as you give me the supernatural ability to believe you and to go for the things that you've said. Amazing. And you touched on faith being outworked, kind of looking like risk-taking and courage, Katia. Um, and the Bible obviously talks about faith without deeds being dead. What do you think is, is kind of that relationship between faith and deeds? Well, I think deeds are an inevitable 
consequence of faith-filled people. Uh, I don't think you can divorce the one from the other. Um, If you really believe what God is saying, and if you really believe that the kingdom is real, and if we really believe that we're part of his kingdom, then it's inevitable that our actions and our decisions will start flowing from those belief systems. And so I think the Bible is really clear that... um, these two things are married together that faith um, just cannot help but lead to action. And actions that are alive are rooted in faith. Uh, You can't have actions that are um, life-giving if they're not rooted in faith, because to be life-giving, they must overflow from faith. If not, they just overflow from legalism and religion, and that's where dead works come in. And so there's this beautiful marriage, particularly in the book of James, of um, faith uh, and deeds that are life-giving, that flow from that place of being set alive in Jesus, um, that, that connection between the two of them. And so that's, I think that's, that's how it works in the Bible. You believe God. And when that tips over into mature belief, you start doing what you actually believe. And the reality is we see that in our lives all of the time, not just in kind of Christian decision-making, but we make decisions with our finances. We make decisions with who we want to befriend and who we allow to be our friends. We make decisions on where we live and where we go. All of those Uh, reflect a belief system in our hearts, belief systems about uh, where it's good to place your finances, what it's worth spending money on, belief systems on um, what kind of friends you, you like to be around, what kind of people make you feel good about yourself, belief system around what kind of people are trustworthy. And so you, you know, all of the practicalities of our lives are based in our belief systems and faith and deeds are exactly the same. What we believe about God will naturally be reflected in the the actions and the decisions that we make. That's so cool. Um, And so moving into, I guess, what difference faith makes in our lives. And obviously, again, you've touched on the risk taking. What do you think are the the marks of a faith-filled individual or a faith-filled community? I think a faith-filled individual looks like someone who is uh, (laughs) slightly scary to be around in the best possible (laughs) sense in that they're not predictable and you cannot assess them based on the wisdom of the world. I think that's that's what it really boils down to. Um, You know, the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of man... Um, tells us to play things safe, play, t- tells us to play in what is possible, tells us to expect um, what would be reasonable. Um, you know, particularly, uh, I grew up in England, so I know this well, you know, British culture to be sensible, to be respectable, uh, to make sure that you use your money in a way that a non-Christian accountant would think is wise. You know, that's the wisdom of the world. And then you come across a faith-filled individual and because the belief system is so completely different to the belief system of the world, the belief system is all about a resource-filled kingdom where we're invited to play in the impossible and where we're invited to um, 
to literally pull down heaven on earth. That's what we're invited to do. Then suddenly that faith-filled individual becomes slightly scary in some ways because they're unpredictable and they don't play by the rules of man and they uh, refuse to do what their accountant would say is wise. And they... (laughs) consistently go for things that people are saying, well, that's just a little bit silly. You're never going to get that. Of course, that's not possible. And so I think being a faith-filled individual looks like uh, being someone who is not coloring within the lines and refusing to play by the world's rule book and not interested in being neat and tidy um, but being someone who's willing to um, consistently look foolish in order to pursue the impossibilities that God has invited us to. And the reality is a community of believers like that is a crazy, wacky, dangerous group because suddenly the impossible becomes within reach. There, there's this beautiful thing about faith where it has this catalytic reaction with other people of faith. And so what happens is it multiplies exponentially. And that's why I believe a community that is faith-filled is so powerful because when you've got a number of faith-filled individuals, they start um, catalyzing one another. The impact is synergistic. They start working together and the multiplication isn't just simply an addition of one plus one plus one, but there's this exponential growth of faith where we start um, impacting each other with greater audacity. And you start hearing someone else's crazy story and you think, I'm going to go for that. And suddenly you're doing things that are even more audacious than the last person. And so I think a community of believers that is faith-filled really is an unstoppable community if we're willing to keep moving forward on the journey of faith and keep processing disappointments because that is a reality of life in faith. Uh, Sometimes we uh, don't get it right. Sometimes we mishear. Sometimes we're still growing in the process. But if we're willing as a community to keep uh, encouraging each other on in faith, and to keep going in the direction of faith, then sooner or later, we become unstoppable. That's so cool. What a cool picture. And I I guess my next question would be, in terms of, we've talked a bit about um, the impact of faith on our community. What do you think the impact of those around us could be if we as a community of believers really got hold of what it looks like to really practice faith? Well, I mean, so you guys are in London, right? The impact for London would be crime goes down and hospital waiting times go down because uh, there is um, less sickness in London because there's this community of believers that are laying hands on the sick, uh, that are seeing the miracles happen, both on the streets, but just in their relationships, in their places of work, in their colleges, in their schools, in their families. The impact would be as a community of believers starts praying into crime into a city and starts declaring heaven on earth where there is no crime, that actually the atmosphere of a city starts changing to bow the knee to Jesus 
and bow the knee to the culture of heaven. And we've seen this in in lots of cities where we're kind of uh, have the privilege to work with incredibly faith-filled churches. Um, there's a church that we work with in Glasgow and they're led by incredible friends of ours, an incredibly faithful community. And they, they set their sights on crime rates in Glasgow. And they, as a community, persisted in praying specifically for crime rates. And at at one point, there was just such horrific stats of knife crime in Glasgow. And that that was their focus. They were praying and praying and praying. And literally, you know, within a few years of them focusing on that, crime rates have fallen in Glasgow. Knife crime particularly has fallen in Glasgow. And you you see the impact of a faith-filled community saying, that isn't what heaven looks like. And we are the gatekeepers of heaven in this city. And it is our job and our privilege to start inviting and pulling heaven down into this city. And when you do that, and when you as a community set your eyes on things and start going for them, then again, I think it's inevitable that the reality of that pursuit will break out into the culture of a city. And so really, I think the question is, what are you guys hoping for, for London? What are you, what are you hoping for about the crime rates? What are you hoping for about um, families and the breakdown of nuclear families? What are you hoping for, for children in foster care? What are you hoping for, for um, sickness and the levels of illness? What are you hoping for, for mental illness in London? You know, all of those things for isolation and loneliness, which is at an all-time high in busy cities like London. Uh, And then I think we as communities get the privilege of focusing on those things and gathering around each other to start declaring life where there's brokenness. Um, And God loves to respond to that. That's amazing. What a vision you've painted. That's amazing. Um, Okay, so I guess going from the vision down to the really practical, Katty, you you touched on um, disappointment actually there. Um, And I was just wondering, in terms of uh, barriers that might stop us actually practicing faith, um, could you unpack a little bit of those, maybe touch on touch on disappointment there um, and maybe how we can be really active in, in overcoming those? I think, you know, we don't want to be unrealistic about what it looks like to be Christians. And sometimes we can paint a picture that is incredibly rosy and um, and just isn't the truth of what we walk in. And I think one of the barriers for communities when we're pursuing faith is that we can um, describe our journeys to one another at the end of the journey rather than in the process of the journey. And when we do that, whilst it's really encouraging to hear people's end point result, um, it can create this false expectation um, that that's the immediate for everybody who enters into faith. And so I, I really like to encourage um, communities to, to be honest with each other about the process of the journey of walking in faith, uh, to be open and honest about the moments where you're about to throw in the towel because you're too tired of doing the impossible and not seeing breakthrough just yet. To be open and honest about the moments where you keep laying hands on sick people and not see anything happen. To be 
open and honest about the moments where you've uh, made a decision in faith about your finances and now you're really scared because you're thinking, oh my gosh, am I going to make ends meet this month after all? And so I think number one, we've got to be honest with each other and we've got to be honest throughout the whole journey, not just choose to give testimonies about the wonderful breakthrough moment, but also invite people um, into the journey authentically so they can see the reality of what it looks like to adventure with God. And it is an adventure. It's not all difficult. It's not all uphill. But there are some tricky moments that unless we're authentic with the community we're in, we might grow tired or they might grow unrealistic. And so I think it's really important to be open and authentic with those who you're walking with. The second thing I'd say is we've got to be comfortable with process as Christians. Um, For some reason, we seem to have bought this lie that if God really wants to do something, he'll do it immediately through us. And if he doesn't do it immediately through us, then he hasn't called us to do that thing. So for example, we buy into the lie that, you know, if I really am made to see people healed, then the first time I lay hands on the sick, someone should get healed. And if they don't, that's a sign that I'm not actually one of those Christians who's allowed to see sick people healed. Well, that's just simply not true. We we understand process in the natural. So, you know, I've got two toddlers and uh, my younger daughter is still, still learning to talk. And it's been a process of learning to talk. When she first started talking a year ago, uh, she was making no sense whatsoever. And at that point, I didn't say, oh, she's just one of those children that's not meant to talk because I said a word and she didn't repeat it perfectly. So clearly she's not one of those people who can talk. No, you know, in the natural, we're very comfortable with process. We understand, oh, babies babble and they say the same word about 500 times before it even sounds like the actual word. And we never take their moments of failure as proof that they're not meant to do that thing. We just take their moments as failure as proof that they're in process and that that's just the inevitable part of learning. And we've got to apply that to our journeys of faith. We've got to apply process and understand you're going to try it 500 times. And most of those times, it's not going to look like the perfect picture, but that's okay because each and every time that we try, we're growing the muscle that's required in order to see things breakthrough. And I remember reading a story from Heidi Baker, who is an amazing apostle and sees the most phenomenal healings. And I remember reading somewhere now that she prayed for people on the streets. I think it was for a year and she saw absolutely no healings right in front of her. And, you know, many of us by month one (laughs) at the end of it would have thought, okay, this is not for me. I give up. But I love the audacity of her faith. She was like, no, God says that every believer will lay hands on the sick and see them healed. So with that certainty in mind, she kept going. And now, I mean, many years later from that story, she sees blind eyes opened all of the time. She sees deaf ears opened all of the time. She sees the dead raised. You know, she sees the lame walk and We've got to understand that that's the end part of a very long process. 
And so I'd really encourage anyone wanting to practice faith, be kind to yourself, understand the process that you're in, but recognize that there is absolute certainty. If we keep moving forward, we will at some point walk into our breakthrough. That is not up for grabs. So good, Katia. Um, And then so turning to people at KXC, I guess there's kind of will be people who this is really new for them and for people who are kind of way more along in their journey of faith. Are there any specific tips you give to people who are like, this is this is so new for me. I want to get started on practicing faith. What can I do? But also those at the other end who maybe feel a bit kind of stagnant in their life and maybe have been a Christian for a long time. And yeah, maybe faith's become a bit stagnant in their life. How could they refresh and revive those kind of two extremes? Anything you'd like to say to those? I think for people who are just starting out in the practice of faith, um, yeah, here are a few tips that I'd say. Um, Start out with something that either God has spoken to you about. So maybe someone's given you a word about praying for the sick or someone's spoken to you about how you've got a great gift for being evangelistic and preaching the gospel to people or whatever it is, start out with something that's meaningful for you, uh, that you feel a sense of excitement over it, even if it might terrify you and then start small. So you don't have to, you know, steps of faith don't have to look massive for them to be valid. They can be really, really small things as long as it feels like a risk to you. And so it might be that you think, I'm really excited about seeing the sick healed, but I'm also terrified about going up to someone on the street who I don't know. Well, you don't have to go up to a stranger. Next time someone at work says to you that they've got a bit of a cold and they're a bit frustrated, why don't you, you don't even have to pray for them right there and then. That might feel like a step too far, although I think that's a great thing to do. But it might be simply that the first time you just say to them, hey, just know I'll be praying for you because I believe God loves you and would love to heal you. And that's it. When you go home, pray for them or in your head in that moment, pray for them. That for some of you might feel like an absolutely crazy risk in and of itself. And that's what makes it faith-filled. It, Faith doesn't look the same for everybody. And sometimes we can have this standard of what it looks like. And unless it hits that, then it's not faith. And that's just simply not the way it works. Faith looks very different for each of us. And I believe it is measured by the level of courage that it takes for us to do that thing. If that thing that you're doing takes no risk and no courage, if you've seen it a hundred times before, even if someone else would say, wow, that's a really faith-filled thing to do. I'd ask whether it actually is for you. Because if you've preached the gospel about a billion times and you're never, ever flustered by that, and if I asked you right now to go on the street and just find someone and preach the gospel to them and you'd do it with the snap of your fingers with no level of courage involved, then it's a wonderful thing to do. Please keep doing it. But that's where we can get stagnant in our faith. And this is for the other side of the group. That's where we can start patting ourselves on the back for things that used to take faith, but no longer do. Now, I'm not suggesting you stop doing those things. I just think you need to raise the stakes. So if you find it incredibly easy to lay hands on the sick 
wherever you go, then maybe you've got to start asking God, what does it look like for me to push myself in faith? And it might not be related to praying for sickness anymore. I'd say, please, by all means, please keep praying for the sick to be healed. Keep doing the wonderful spiritual practices that are life-giving, but find others that require courage and faith for you, because that's how we keep growing. Um, We keep pushing ourselves in the areas that we might not think we'd be very good at or in the areas where we've not yet seen God break through for us. And we've got to remember Hebrews 11 talks about faith being something that is about the unseen. So the reality is if you've seen it many, many, many times before, then maybe you don't need so much faith for it anymore because you've seen it already. You've tasted it. You know that it's possible. You've now got to be pushing yourself for what is impossible in your mind that's when faith gets engaged and ignited again in our lives. Katia, that's amazing. Thank you so much. So um, I guess just finally, is there anything that you'd like to say, final encouragements to us as a community as we either continue on in the practice of faith or start out? Is there anything that you'd just like to encourage us in? Sure, absolutely. Um, I love your community. We, Julian and I think you are a phenomenal phenomenal family of believers and we just we count it such a privilege to know you guys um you were made for the impossible there is every part of your bodies your dna have been designed to press into the impossible and so i really encourage you guys um faith is an adventure it has its ups and downs but you and i we were all created with the impossible in our design. And so when you're pursuing the practice of faith, you are falling in line with what you were designed for. You're, you know, the world would tell you you're doing something completely crazy and upside down, but actually you're doing something that's completely the right way around. You are doing something that is exactly what you were designed for. And so I'd say to you, have the full confidence that you were made for the impossible and then stand your ground. Do not give way. Do not give way to the enemy's discouragement. Do not give way to moments of disappointment. Uh, By all means, process them. Don't ignore them, but don't give ground to them. Don't give ground to people who want to add in a little bit of wisdom from the world. Uh, And sometimes you'll find that it's Christians who are trying to do that to make you look a little bit more reasonable. Um, Don't be reasonable. Don't be reasonable. Be completely reasonable unreasonable because it's the unreasonable people who see the impossible happen again and again and you were designed for it so go for it oh katia thank you so much this has been such a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much for unpacking the practice of faith thank you thank you for having me thank you for listening to the pattern podcast if you'd like to explore more spirit-filled patterns of living, head over to pattern.org.uk.